Aloha and welcome to the Hawaii Reopening Consortium webinar. This is the fourth of a series of eight webinars happening every Tuesday. My name is Toby Tamai and I'm president of a local agency called AT Marketing. And my name is Sandy Narvez and I am the director of sales and marketing at the Ritz-Carlton Residences Waikiki Beach. This series is a collaboration between, between the Travel Industry Management International and the Scheidler College of Business Administration Alumni Association. The idea for the series was born from a simple discussion that evolved into a realization of a need. We needed to hear from our leaders in our various industries. We needed them together, united, and we needed their help in determining our own plans to reopen successfully. But ultimately, the series is about what you need. So please, if you have any questions for our panelists, go ahead and drop them in our Q&A box. Our moderators will monitor your questions and select as many as possible to review at the end of our webinar. These webinars are offered at no cost by the two alumni associations. They are designed to stimulate ideas for solutions that begin implemented by key tourism leaders, large and small business owners, employees working in the tourism industry, college students studying in the travel industry or related fields, and the general public. Topics include tourism, health and safety, an update from airline and hotel industries, restarting businesses in retail and dining, and a special webinar focused on the recovery of tourism from Japan. The goal of these seminars is to deliver information that can save small businesses, save jobs, and provide hope to our attendees with positive and forward-thinking messages. Additionally, the Scheidler College of Business recently started a new virtual fundraising campaign called Scheidler Strong. Proceeds raised will help us to provide critical funds for our students and our programs and help us to perpetuate a legacy of excellence for the college. If Scheidler has touched your life, or you are receiving value from these webinars, we encourage you to give what you can. No gift is too small, and it helps us to move forward in creating a bright future for our community. Together, we can help keep Scheidler strong. Since these seminars are during the day, we are featuring UH Scheidler College of Business or Travel Industry Management restaurants that are owned or managed by an alumni. Today's restaurant is... <gasps> Rainbow Driving! Yum! And a perfect partner for those that picked up breakfast or lunch today. I'm enjoying this sweet bread French toast. Oh, it smells so good. I would also mention the producers behind this webinar today, Evan Leong, CEO of Brain Gain Hawaii, and Buddy Leong, Executive Director of Virtual Student Experiences. Finally, our media partner today is Pacific Edge Magazine. For over 15 years, Pacific Edge Magazine has supported the hospitality industry through their annual hospitality issues, spectacular events, aid to the University of Hawaii Manoa Tim School, and interviews on Beyond the Edge Hawaii. They're currently releasing a special hotel reopening marketing program to be launched later this year. Save the date for Thursday, November 12th at 7 p.m. Their annual Business Achievement Awards goes virtual this year and will be shown on KHON TV that evening. Now, before we begin with our speakers, we would like to provide you with the status of hotel openings. Now, just a disclaimer, these are as of today. They are a bit of a moving target. Some hotels have already been open before October 15th. They include Outrigger Waikiki, Alamana Hotel, Kahala Resort, Alohileni Resort, Marriott Ko'olina Beach Club, the Lalo, Four Seasons Lanai, the Western Ka'anapali Ocean Resort, Marriott Maui Ocean Club, Kuakea, Kauai Marriott, Sheraton Kauai Resort, and basically all the hotels that were Grand Hyatt, Surfjack, Surfjack Hotel, and Princess Kaiwalani. Opening November 1st is the Ritz-Carlton Residences, Waikiki Beach, woo! Waikiki Beach Marriott, 
Aulani Resort, Mauna Kea Beach Hotel, Andaz Maui, Fairmont Kealani, Grand Hyatt Kauai, Prince Waikiki, and the Waikoloa Beach Marriott. Great list. Thanks for sharing, Sandy. Opening up on November 12 is the Moana Surf Rider, the Sheraton Waikiki, the Westin Maui. November 13, Hilton Waikoloa Village and the Fairmont Orchid. Time to go to Kona. November 15, the Grand Wailea. Time to go to Maui. November 20, the Western Hapuna, the Four Seasons Maui. And, and for December openings, we have December 1st, Royal Hawaiian Hotel, the Four Seasons Hualalai, Queen Kapi'olani Hotel, Turtle Bay Resort, and December 15th, the Hilton Hawaiian Village. Some of the major pending hotels here on Oahu include the Four Seasons at Ko'olina, which is still waiting for a reopening date. And as many of you, as many of you know, Halikulani's opening is delayed to summer 2021. Now, this is just a snapshot on hotel openings as of today. I know we went through that very quickly. You can actually find an updated list on the Hawaii Magazine website. All right, let's get to the webinar. I'm ready for this. Our first speaker is Mufi Hanneman. Mufi is the president and CEO of the Hawaii Lodging and Tourism Association, the state's largest private sector tourism organization, recognized as one of the industry's top leader and advocates. He is at the forefront of many of the priority issues that require government and community support. He leads the single most successful fundraising event, the Visitor Industry Charity Walk, that raised nearly $2.7 million annually to help nonprofit organizations throughout the state. In recognition of their contribution to the state's number one industry, they honored him with the Distinguished Service Award by the University of Hawaii School of Travel Industry Management in 2018. Welcome to the panel, Mufi Hanneman. Thank you, Toby and Sandy, and it's great to be with you. I'm very, very pleased and honored to join this esteemed panel of uh, general managers of the executives in our industry who work hard each and every day uh, to ensure that uh, there'll always be a strong and vibrant tourism economy. So let me begin. My topic is impacts and forecasts uh, of the hotel industry. Uh, got a short slide uh, presentation here. So uh, let me begin with uh, some facts that are just uh, basically uh, known throughout the industry of those of us who track it daily. First of all, no question, it's a huge industry that generates a lot of tax dollars, uh, creates a lot of jobs, maintains a lot of jobs. Uh, and uh, what it gives back in terms of state taxes is huge, over $2 billion. No other industry comes close. And so we started uh, 2020, at least the first two months, uh, at, a, at a very good pace. Growth was uh, continuing to occur. And of course, March hit, and then uh, you all know, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, state of the industry today, well, we went from 30 to 35,000 a day to less than 1,000 a day pre-October 15th. Uh, and since October 15th, a date that we had been long awaiting and hoping for, uh, we have seen now that the visitor count uh, is averaging nearly 5,000 a day. Uh, we're talking about 5,000, maybe perhaps 7,000 a day as it will grow, uh, given uh, people's familiarity with the fact that we do require a test now and all the uh, wrinkles that need to be ironed out uh, with respect to a new initiative uh, that's being put forward. Uh, but there's no question um, in the first eight months we have seen of 2020, Arrivals have dropped by nearly 70% uh, what we saw in 2020. Uh, Yohiro uh, has forecasted that roughly uh, 2.7 million visitors will travel to Hawaii this year uh, and an anticipated 
4.7 million visits expected in 2021. Juxtapose this with the fact that in uh, 2019, we were at 10.4 million. So for those who are apprehensive about joke visitors coming to our state anytime soon, it's just not going to happen for a variety of reasons that I'll talk about, but more importantly, uh, my esteemed group of uh, general managers will also weigh in and give you their manao in that regard. Thanks. Um, here's a fact that should go, uh, should not go unnoticed. Everybody talks about the tourism industry. Uh, oftentimes what's forgotten is the ripple effect that we have on the rest of the economy. Uh, so 75% of all Hawaii businesses have been forced to make some kind of reduction uh, or staff cut during this period. Uh, that's three quarters of the jobs uh, that uh, are available in the state. One way or another, sacrifices have been made, some more than others, but no question, it has hurt across the board. Uh, no county has been exempt from this, no island has been exempt, and we've seen it in all sectors of the economy. Uh, the percentage of businesses that have reported they will close permanently has risen from 6% to now nearly 20% uh, before the end of the year. Uh, so that is a, a huge number uh, that shouldn't be lost on anyone. Just to give you a snapshot of how dependent uh, businesses are, was well, no question, the lodging sector, 96% is dependent on tourism. But look at these other areas here, retail, over half, 54%, and restaurants, uh, food service, nearly half, 47%. So once again, this just demonstrates across the board how dependent we are on a vibrant tourism economy. So the first thing that we did, and I think it's very, very important, in anticipation of the fact that even in March and April, when we were basically now trying to figure out what this was all about, we started planning for what we said was important, important piece of reopening. And that is we needed to put forward health, safety, and security standards. And I really felt uh, that the hotel industry should lead the way in that regard. Uh, because uh, there's very little that we can influence in terms of actual decisions that are made with respect to how people are coming into the state, how they're processed at the airport. They asked us for our manao, but at the end of the day, it really is up uh, to the governor, the four mayors, the lieutenant governor to make those decisions. Uh, and every decision they have made, we have tried to be very uh, compliant, very cooperative, whether it was a quarantine uh, that was very new to us, uh, and continues to have some bugaboos here and there, but I think by and large, uh, those hotels that have been operating have adapted to it very well. Uh, or uh, when being asked if we could free up some of our hotel inventory uh, so that we could house uh, first responders uh, that needed time away from their families uh, or people that have COVID uh, or showing symptoms and the like, uh, our hoteliers have been very willing to come forward. But first and foremost in our minds was that these health and security standards needed to be put in place, not only to make sure that travelers or visitors to our properties were going to be treated uh, and be placed in a secure environment, but most of all, the workers uh, of uh, our establishments would feel that they'd be a safe and secure environment. So we basically took a page from uh, our Hawaiian language uh, and put three words up front. Uh, that has become commonplace uh, for all of us involved with this. Ma'akaukau, which is the proper preparation. Uh, this speaks to uh, all the training uh, that needs to be done beforehand. Uh, hanapono, which is the right procedures. And pane, uh, the um, 
uh, informative answers uh, that we would have you know, when it comes, uh, things come up from time to time on how to deal with a visitor that may arrive on your property uh, and not be well or have COVID or, or would be uh, get sick during the course of their stay. And most importantly to uh, making sure that we take care of workers in this process. So uh, next in uh, Ma Kao Kao, uh, obviously um, everything was looked at in the preparation. Uh, we asked both staff and management to go through uh, all of these procedures and to make sure that, you know, if a worker was also uh, not going to uh, be in a good position from a health perspective, uh, all encouragement was done to keep the worker at home and not come to work. Uh, and obviously social distancing standards, the wearing of masks, high touch areas, uh, nothing was uh, was exempt from this and everything was treated uh, in, in, in a proper way. Uh, in terms of the procedures, we made sure that we, uh, we did, did it in compliance with CDC and EPA standards, um, whether it was disinfectants, uh, whether it's in uh, uh, other comprehensive sanitizing practices, everything uh, was put on the table and very, very pleased of how much the various properties have invested uh, in the new normal. Uh, we wanted to make sure uh, that uh, nothing was left undone. And most importantly, again, instill that confidence and trust that our places would be good places for people to come and visit uh, and uh, spend time with us. Ask. Okay, so this is all about the fact that, and people always ask this question, well, what if a person tests positive or comes forward uh, and, and uh, has uh, displaying symptoms and the like. Well, we want to make sure uh, that those proper procedures are also in place, whether they be isolated, whether they be quarantined, whether they be put at a, at a different level, separate from the guests, and that contact would be uh, at a minimum uh, with uh, our hardworking uh, employees at each of these hotels. Uh, we also um, are well aware of the fact that our responsibility is to take care of that visitor who may be uh, have tested positive for COVID, the only way that we would release that visitor, uh, if in fact uh, the health uh, experts, the doctor would say in fact that they have to be hospitalized, then we would release them to their care. Other than that, uh, it's our responsibility uh, to uh, show the aloha for a family member as that's how we regard all our guests should they come and stay at our hotel. Next. Okay. So to demonstrate how ready we are, how anxious we are to go back to work, uh, recently HLTA partnered with the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii, uh, the Hawaii Ag Foundation and Hawaiian Airlines uh, to put together uh, a video, an informational education campaign that would let the citizenry know in Hawaii how much not only the hotel industry has done, but industries across the board, uh, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're an airline, whether you're an attraction, whether you're a small business. Uh, we wanted them to know two things. Number one, standards are in place, standards of hygiene. And number two, workers are anxious to go back to work. I think that was a very important point to make. So let me share with you um, a video uh, that we put together based on uh, a collaboration of, of some of the major businesses in our community organizations, all very anxious to make sure that this October 15th launch is a successful one. The last thing that we want to see uh, is if a spike should occur again in any shape or form or something that might give pause to our decision makers that they go 
time out and take another break or close us down again. We don't want to see that. So we felt it was important to get proactive about this uh, and launch uh, a major informational campaign. We have a website, macaukau.com, where our standards are put there across the board, information on what we're doing, collaborating together, tourism, uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, Ag Foundation, the restaurants, the farmers, the chefs, uh, and then of course, uh, Hawaiian Airlines. So check out this video, it takes 60 seconds. Ma Coco? Aye. For Hawaii, it's a new beginning. We're planting the seeds for Hawaii's future. We're ready to get people back to work. Ready to get our economy going again. We're preparing to keep people safe with new protocols, new standards, new safeguards to keep everyone healthy. It's our chance to start over, to make an even better Hawaii, more resilient, more sustainable. We all have to do our part and we'll make this happen, working together. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready to work. Ready to serve. Ready to guide you. Ready. 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 All ready. We are ready. Makoko Hawaii. We are ready. Learn more at makoko.com. So you'll be seeing this on social media. We're doing television ads. We're just kind of promoting this fact, reinforcing again the belief that our people are anxious to go back to work. So the industry landscape as uh, as exists today, uh, and it was mentioned up front by Sandy, not all the hotels are open. It's really up to them based on their own um, projections that they're making based on uh, what their situation is with each respective uh, lodging property. 67% have been open as of October 15th, 91% by the end of November, and practically all of them uh, by the end of the year. And hotel re reopenings uh, are measured as economic projections indicate that tourism really won't regain any sense of normalcy, perhaps until late in 2021. Okay, my last slide, uh, in terms of going forward and looking uh, to the future, uh, I think three things are important. Number one, Government support is critical. It's amazing how we have to spend time to continue to educate uh, our decision makers on how fragile this industry is and how dependent we are on it. And also to urge them to resist the temptation that whenever there is a shortfall uh, in government with respect to revenues, they have to stop this habit of always looking to the industry to pick up the slack uh, or to fund it. Uh, so uh, this is very, very important. One of the challenges of this legislative session is to figure out how do they come up with revenues that in the past came through the TAT uh, to support the marketing efforts of the Hawaii Tourism Authority. Why? There's no TAT. Much of it hasn't been collected uh, during the course of this year and very little will come in. Uh, so a major decision will have to be made in terms of what other funding pocket they can reach into uh, to support those efforts because we can't just assume that people are just going to come here because it's Hawaii. We cannot just assume that people are going to know that we're safe again. We cannot just assume uh, that people uh, will uh, come here and choose Hawaii as opposed to some other place that will offer some of the things they think that Hawaii 
uh, has done in the past, but maybe they can get it better or a less uh, expensive price going elsewhere. So government support is critical. Also, we have to make sure we're on top of legislation that could hurt the industry. For example, before the city council today is one of the most anti-business measures that I have seen in all my years of either being a participating government or an observant government. The bill is called Bill 80. What it will do is force hotels to recall hire back employees at pre-pandemic levels. In fact, they're asking that we do it at 100% occupancy rate and we base it on occupancy. If you know anything about the business, you don't hire people based or don't put people back to work based on occupancy. There are a myriad of jobs that require different criteria there. They also, uh, in this bill, they're calling for rooms to be clean daily. Daily now. Pre-pandemic, you always had the choice to save the world, save the earth, save the environment. Uh, it was your choice. And even more so now, we want to minimize contact uh, with guests uh, and our employees. This only encourages those kind of contacts to take place irrespective uh, of what that room is reserved for, be it quarantine or be it uh, a flight crew that's flown all night and wants to sleep during the day. They're saying they want this bill to force the hotels uh, to do daily cleaning. Uh, the other aspect uh, of, of this bill uh, calls for things that we find are unconstitutional. It should be challenged. And so what we're trying to say to the city council don't waste our time on measures that don't make sense or that will tie the hands of our hoteliers that they can't hire people back. And for all of you and other businesses and the like, if this bill goes through, today's the hotels, tomorrow it could very well be you. Uh, that would be the target uh, of this thing that doesn't make sense. The unions have an opportunity, Local 5 in particular, to do what they would need to do or profess their desires through the collective bargaining process. This is a way to circumvent that process because they feel they're not getting their way with management. IOWU has a portion of the industry. We do that very well with them. They were very helpful in opening up some of the hotels on Maui. Uh, and we also have non-union hotels that don't abide by those same rules. So this bill must be defeated or deferred because it's a critical waste of time uh, that takes away from the fact that we wanna reopen the economy. Community support is very essential. We've all heard the plea from folks that have said, diversify the economy, move away from tourism. I have been a part and I've seen in the past several decades, every diversification effort uh, to move us away from tourism. That doesn't mean that we stop trying, but let's be real. It will always come back to tourism, especially in the short term. So I've preached an advocacy of diversify from within. Things that have been proven, tried and true in the past sports tourism, film tourism, ag tourism, and then look within, drawing upon our core competence, which is tourism, and see how we can grow it. Uh, I love this idea of a temporary resident program uh, that some of our industry members are really getting behind, and that is using Hawaii as a remote place to work for those that want to experience what it's like to live and work in Hawaii, and you bring them out here for two or three months to get engaged in the community, and that's important. Uh, I so, totally support HVCB and HTA's program of the Malama program where visitors will come here. Uh, they'll be offered uh, projects, uh, opportunities to give back to the community through meaningful 
service uh, project initiatives. And in return, uh, perhaps they can get some incentives from us in that regard. The last thing is visitor industry collaboration is a must. Um, it's very easy at times when you're comp competing with each other uh, to sort of maybe not play totally within the team concept. But if there's one thing that we have learned through this is that uh, the industry needs to sing out of the same hymn book. I've taken it one step further and says, not only that, but we need to reach out and collaborate, which was the essence of the Macau Cow campaign with the Chamber of Commerce, with the Ag Foundation, with the retail first, uh, merchant folk. All those things are very, very important because if we're gonna get this economy back going again, it really takes all of us collaborating in that matter. So that concludes my presentation uh, for the program today. And I look forward to your questions, mahalo. Thank you, Mufi, for that comprehensive overview of, our, of how our industry is reopening safely and for keeping us informed on what affects us all. Now we welcome Kelly Sanders, who is the Senior Vice President of Operations for Highgate Hawaii. With over 30 years of hospitality experience, Kelly Sanders has currently, currently oversees seven hotels in Waikiki, including the Alohileni Resort Waikiki Beach, Aston Waikiki Beach Hotel, and the Park Shore Waikiki. Kelly was previously the Area General Manager for Marriott Hawaii, spending more than 21 years within the Sarwood Marriott Global brand. In addition to his extensive background in the hospitality industry, Kelly is committed to serving the community, community through his engagement on multiple boards, including the Hawaii Tourism Authority, Diamond Head Theater, and American Red Cross. He is also the Creative Entertainment Director for the Heart Ball, benefiting the American Heart Association. Thank you, Kelly. Aloha. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, thanks for allowing me to be here today. My, um, my overall presentation is really on uh, safety within the hotel and how is that going. Um, but I wanted to start by uh, really talking about the initial uh, impacts of the pandemic. And as, as Sandy said, you know, we currently have seven hotels in, in Waikiki. Um, and uh, all of those hotels closed uh, on uh, the 30th or the first, the 30th of March or the 1st of April. Um, and to understand the impact of a hotel closing, one of the smallest hotel that we have uh, closed still was costing us about $400,000 a month uh, to uh, just maintain uh, the overall hotel and the largest hotel was costing us about $4 million a month. So you can imagine how uh, the, the length of this pandemic and the issues that have surrounded uh, trying to get the state back open and our tourism uh, business moving, uh, the, the importance of that uh, from a financial perspective is, uh, is, is you know, the most important thing. Um, we have 1,200 employees uh, at Highgate or uh, had pr prior to the pandemic. Um, our goal has been to try to work through getting as many associates back to work as possible. Um, but before we did that, we really had to sit down and think about what, what does this pandemic mean in terms of how we interact with our guests on a daily basis? How do we ensure that our employees are safe when they come back to work? Uh, and, and what are the protocols that we need to do to ensure that we're following all of the, the great mandates that Mufi talked about? Um, and so we spent a lot of time working through 
uh, our own internal program, which is called Be Well, Stay Well. Um, as an associate of our hotel, when you arrive, you have to go through a screening, a screening protocol that uh, takes your temperature uh, and you have to sign in, you have to do a health questionnaire every day. Uh, and then, then you are uh, banded so that um, all of the guests know that you, you've gone through that uh, screening protocol at, as an associate. Our associates then before coming back to work had to go through intensive training and we had to build out all new training protocols for every single part of the hotel that we uh, operate, whether it be uh, how to interact with a guest uh, at arrival, uh, when uh, a guest needs luggage assistance, um, how to uh, sanitize the luggage before and after delivering the luggage to uh, a guest room, uh, to uh, sanitation of the car when somebody valet parks um, and, and wants you to park their car. We sanitize the car before for our, uh, our associate safety. And then once we return the car, we sanitize it again for the guest safety. Um, and then really the intensive program of sanitation and cleanliness of guest rooms and public areas. Uh, there are so many areas that are touched or uh, impacted by a guest during their stay. And we had to really think through frequency of cleaning, uh, new chemicals, uh, new equipment. Um, and I think that overall, when you look at the investment we've made in uh, all of the safety protocols for our hotels, it's well over a million dollars in new equipment, new cleaning uh, chemicals, as well as uh, uh, training for all of our uh, associates. And then it doesn't stop there. You know, hotels, while we, uh, we, uh, our, our main job is to welcome guests uh, and to uh, um, ensure they have a great uh, a sleep experience while in their guest room, you know, within Highgate, we have 42 retail partners. Those are everything from an ABC store to Morimoto's restaurant to, to Lulu's, um, uh, which is a restaurant at our Park Shore property. Um, and so we had to spend time working with our partners to ensure that they were following the same overall uh, safety and, and cleanly pro cleanliness protocols that we were implementing across all of our properties. So that was a lot of time and a lot of energy. And unfortunately, still a lot of those stores have not been able to open due to just the level of uh, tourism that um, you know, is still uh, slowly trickling in since we opened last Thursday on the 15th. Um, and as you know, Mufi said, uh, there's, not, um, there's not a lot of uh, arrivals still coming to uh, the, the, the market. When you look at Oahu in specific, you know, while uh, overall arrivals have jumped substantially, uh, we've had up to seven or 8,000 arrivals. The majority of those arrivals, when you really dig into them, are really uh, people that are returning, returning residents, uh, people that are visiting family and friends after such a long time not being able to join Hawaii. So you know, this gives us an opportunity to uh, really ensure that all of our guests um, are uh, trained uh, or, or educated, I guess is the right word, to uh, all of our safety protocols. So as a guest, when you arrive to one of our properties, you are greeted um, uh, at the front desk and we have uh, installed safety barricades 
in front of all of our front desks, which are plexiglass to prevent um, uh, any direct interaction with uh, a, a customer. Um, we also have installed through, throughout our property signage um, and required signage, not only in social distancing, but also in the, the focus of wearing a mask and the importance of wearing a mask. Um, that is something that I think everybody in, in Oahu and, and in Hawaii needs to, to really focus on. A, a lot of uh, feedback uh, since we have opened that a lot of tourists are walking through Waikiki without a mask. Um, it is our kuleana to talk to people about the safety and the requirement that we have as a state for guests to wear masks when they're interacting with any uh, anyone or uh, they're, they're in a public setting. Uh, and especially when they're indoors, um, outside of when they're eating and drinking. Um, I would, uh, if I have one ask or, or one opportunity, I would say, please, uh, join us in uh, continuing to educate people um, in the importance of keeping everyone safe, not only our residents, but our, uh, our associates and the guests that are, are coming back to visit Hawaii during this um, uh, pandemic and, and the opportunity we have to reopen the state. And hopefully we will not see a, a, a second surge of cases here um, in Hawaii. So what are the challenges uh, that we have faced? Um, and, and the challenges for the most part, uh, we're learning. Now, we were lucky that we, we were able to open some of our hotels early um, uh, and we had uh, some great help and support from some industry leading uh, people to help us train our associates and, and develop our training protocol. But, our, but guests um, and people coming on vacation uh, sometimes forget the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic um, and that uh, while they are on vacation, there are certain safety protocols that we all have to follow. So it is about continuing reminding our guests um, of all of those safety protocols, uh, whether it be the importance of social distancing or have I, have I already said, the, the importance of wearing a mask uh, while uh, interacting inter, uh, with anyone um, uh, in the property or uh, really in Waikiki and, and um, on the street. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, I think um, as Mufi said, you know, the interesting uh, mindset change that has come from uh, the guest expectations pre-pandemic to now is many guests uh, do, you know, they, they want a contactless uh, stay. They don't want really to interact with uh, people as much as possible. Um, they, uh, we have installed uh, or are working to install in some, some cases uh, keyless check-in where guests can go uh, through an app, uh, pull up an app and actually check into their room without actually having to go to the front desk. That, that is also being um, extended so people can actually order room service or if they have a request item or if they want to request cleaning service, they can do that through this app without having to interact with any, um, in, any associate in the hotel or anyone while they're here. And that's been, I think, the most uh, enlightening uh, part. While we think we know what a customer wants or what a guest wants, it is actually or has been 
by listening to uh, the, the wants and the needs of guests when they're arriving, uh, as well as during their stay. Um, we have implemented uh, uh, this, this same app, which will allow a guest to reserve a pool chair um, at the pool that is completely sanitized. Um, and one of the things we've done is gone an extra step uh, and every table, every door uh, to a guest room, once it's completely cleaned and sanitized, to every uh, pool chair has a, a little sticker that goes on uh, alerting a guest that the, the specific area has been cleaned and has been sanitized for their protection. Um, so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a journey, I, I will say for sure. Um, keeping our associates uh, safe has been our first and, and primary priority, uh, followed by uh, then understanding the guest needs and the safety requirements that we need to educate them on. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think uh, overall, we look forward to welcoming more people back to Oahu in, in, in a different way. And uh, Mufi touched on the fact that we're asking people to Malama to give back to Hawaii. Um, and here at Alokilani, uh, we have created a signature uh, experience called Soulful Hawaii, which allows a customer to come uh, stay in the hotel, but also uh, take advantage of planting a tree, an, in, an indigenous tree in the Alohilani forest. Alohilani has partnered with Hawaii Reforestation um, uh, uh, effort, and uh, we have our own forest here on Oahu, as well as on the Big Island. Um, and we are uh, committed to planting 100,000 trees uh, here in Oahu, those are the Milo, the Sandalwood, um, and the Koa tree on the Big Island. Um, and all of our guests will get an opportunity to uh, take advantage of that as part of this new package that we have offered and this Malama program. Um, with, with that, I, I, I don't have a big slideshow, and I think uh, Mufi covered a lot of things, but uh, you know, be safe Hawaii is, is our overall mantra for the state. Um, all of the hotels are committed to uh, really keeping um, everyone safe as we open up tourism. And I know it's uh, a scary thing for many people. And um, I, I just wanna say that at least from a Highgate perspective, I have never felt more confident or more uh, ready to welcome uh, people back to the state of Hawaii in what I will say is probably the most um, safe and uh, ready state in the entire U.S. because of all of the work that's happened with government, with uh, community, and with the tourism uh, people here in Hawaii. Um, and with that, I will uh, open up with questions. Ah, thank you, Kelly. It was great to hear all the efforts you're doing to keep your guests and your employees safe. Our next speaker is Linda Rodriguez, the Senior Vice President of Hawaii Marketing, oh, Senior Vice President of Hawaii Marketing at Hilton Grand Vacations. She has been with Hilton Grand Vacations for nearly 15 years, also having served as the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Orlando Region and Regional Director of Marketing in Orlando, Las Vegas. Her strategic sales and marketing experience of Almost 30 years of management includes companies like Hilton, Marriott Vacation Club, and Blue Green Resorts. Linda also has a passion for philanthropy 
and serves on the We Care, We Share Foundation as Vice President and the Board of Directors for the Waikiki Community Center. The Community Center actually moved their annual fundraiser to a virtual, a virtual benefit on November 12. Please visit their website for more details. Aloha and welcome to the discussion, Linda. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Toby and the University of Hawaii for having me today and welcoming me to the timeshare discussion. Our industry along with um, the hotel has, hotel industry has been greatly impacted and we're excited to be welcoming our owners and guests back. And although no disaster we have faced in the past can come close to the impact of COVID-19, our industry has fared well when disaster hits. Studies over decades have shown that the industry is resilient and we are quick in wanting to get back into operation, accelerating the recovery of our impacted communities. This was proven after Hurricane Aniki in 1992. Kauai was devastated. It was the timeshare industry that came back first and we saw healthy occupancies compared to hotels. Timeshares are quite different than hotels. First, we are 100% transient, and as you can expect, this portion of our business will come back soon. Second, timeshare owners behave very differently as they own a vested interest in their property. They pay an annual maintenance fee and property tax, so it's more like a home to them than a passion, and they're extremely passionate about traveling. Now, most of our units are equipped with kitchens and spacious living rooms with additional space that allows for safety and peace of mind during times like this. It's hard to believe that there are 101 timeshare resorts on the Hawaii Islands. They make up about 13,000 units and contribute to about 30,000 jobs. In addition to this, on an annual basis, we contribute to the new construction and resort renovations that we do on an, a frequent basis. Now, a timeshare family of four will spend over $4,000 throughout their stay, but much of our recovery relies on the success of the pre-arrival testing program. So as long as we can welcome back visitors from our domestic and international markets, we should be in a good position. So you may wanna know what timeshare owners are looking for today when they look to restart travel. At HGV, we're learning through our owners that they're putting a premium on safety and flexibility. They've always expected a spotless room, but now they wanna see visible measures. We've embraced Hilton's Clean Stay program along with our own enhanced care guidelines. The combination has been well received. Our owners and our markets where we are open have given us overwhelming positive response. Our top priority as a company in fighting against this war of COVID-19 is to safeguard our team members, our owners, and our guests. So when you come visit us, a visitor will receive free PPE at all uh, public areas and team members will always be wearing a mask. It's important that you understand that we are a business that relies on face-to-face -face interaction. So we've had to completely revisit our spaces and how we deliver our sales and marketing processes. So we've prepared a very detailed plan that allows us to welcome guests in a staged manner and allows for social distancing. 
our owners are here are giving us positive feedback when they come in and visit us for our sales presentation. We also learned that flexibility right now is really important. We're an industry that has done very well in selling vacation packages. You might have received an offer from us in the past. It's a prepaid vacation. It's usually non-refundable and allows the guests to travel at a very reduced rate and learn more about vacation ownership. So we had to look at how do we reposition this product so that we can build a pipeline for future business during the closure. Today, we are out focused on taking those packages and activating those guests to markets where we're currently opening. And we're looking forward to doing that in Oahu. And in our markets that we are closed, we will continue to serve up to our members messages and inspiring stories about vacation experiences to keep them engaged in future travel. Now our business is adapting to COVID just like yours. And our number one priority, as I stated, is to safeguard our team members, our owners, and our guests. We've had to pivot from a traditional call center environment to a work from home model and create fully capable inbound and outbound programs. And we've done this all within a week before we closed. And we've also found ways to sell our product virtually. So we're using virtual products and virtual and, and technology to sell our product during the closure. Since we've closed, we've been able to launch sales of Maui Bay Villas. It's our first product in Maui. So as I mentioned, our owners know the value of their vacation ownership and their timeshare rate and they're very interested in coming back. What we're doing right now is guiding them through the process as the pre-arrival testing program has just been recently launched. And we're communicating to, more, to our owners more so now than ever. Now I wanna leave off with one thing, and that is that timeshare owners are looking for unique and authentic experiences. And I know that it's been very challenging on our small businesses that have been providing our activities um, to our guests and our owners that visit Hawaii on a frequent basis. Now, this is something that we started working on last year, creating special experiences that are really in small groups or in private groups. It could be something around a family and create something that is completely unique. That's what the timeshare owner wants to see. Now, I want to thank everyone for inviting me here today, and hopefully I've gained, you've gained a little perspective on our industry. Now, if everyone can do their part and wear their mask, wash their hands, and wash their distance, we can get Hawaii back open and bring some more money into the economy. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much for sharing the intricacies of our timeshare industry and really providing us with a bunch of hope for our future. Now we have Tom Kalami, who is the Area General Manager for Marriott Hawaii, as well as the Managing Director of Kyoyo Resorts Hawaii, which includes the Sheraton Princess Kaiuleni, the Royal Hawaiian, the Westin Moana Surfrider, and the Sheraton Waikiki. He has been a part of the Marriott Group for over 30 years, with experience managing properties in Mexico, Peru, the Netherlands, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Aruba. So he is fluent in English, Spanish, and Dutch. 
Throughout his career, Tom has received multiple awards for his leadership in hotel management. He earned his bachelor's degree in hotel management from MHS Herlane University in the Netherlands and his MBA from the University of Liverpool in England. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Toby. And uh, thank you, everyone, for having me. Um, and thank you, the uh, previous speakers, Mufi, uh, Kelly, and uh, um, Linda, for, uh, for your wisdom there. Um, I think a lot has been covered already, um, but uh, I was asked to talk a little bit about the, the coordination of opening multiple hotels. Um, and I kind of want to start uh, with one thing, a little correction. Uh, Moana Surfrider is actually opening up on November 1st. Uh, so that's uh, good news uh, for us there. Um, the other thing is, uh, and I think Kelly mentioned it, uh, in a short period, uh, like what we're talking, well, it's not that short anymore. It's actually uh, almost eight months now, but uh, since February, when this whole COVID thing started, uh, I think one of our first uh, initiatives was to try and scale down our operations as quickly as possible, as we just saw our booking uh, demand completely disappear. Um, no, by the end of March, uh, there were zero bookings pretty much, or very, very few, but uh, definitely for our industry, which uh, for a lot of our hotels are running in the high, I would say 80s uh, year round, um, uh, it, that was an amazing change uh, that required a lot of uh, new thinking. And the thought process was, oh, maybe we'll, I think first everybody thought, oh, maybe in a month, two months, we'll be out of this. Uh, but then now we're here in uh, October, almost hitting November, and we're still in it. And with no end in sight, really, if you look at what's happening in Europe and on the mainland. Uh, so I think a lot of learning came from that. And uh, now kind of we're on the opposite side of that skill. Uh, where we're now looking at uh, how do we reopen our hotels. Now for Marriott uh, in Hawaii, uh, most of our hotels, except for about three, uh, completely shut down and have been shut down for this period of time. Um, the benefit of being part of a larger group, uh, and I think we all have that benefit as long as we use all our resources, is that the industry has so much to offer and so many ideas uh, to share so I think I kind of want to talk about three things uh, when we talk about uh, opening and reopening. Uh, is one is best practice sharing. The other one is planning and then alignment. Uh, I think those are the three key topics that I wanted to bring to the table today uh, for us to share. Uh, but I think the importance of sharing that best practice uh, is critical in this day and age. Uh, the benefit that we have is that other markets are ahead of us. Uh, we've been closed off of our uh, stream of tourism for a long, long period and much longer than most other destinations. So there's a lot of learnings that we are able to take advantage of, of other markets. Um, and one of them is, for example, the mask wearing. I think it should come as no surprise that people are going to try to avoid wearing that mask. Um, uh, but obviously, it's all up to us. Uh, Linda just said it very well uh, to make this happen. And, and the only way we get out of this is to by sticking to those agreements and those uh, guidelines that we've set. So I think there's a lot of good best practice sharing out there to uh, reiterate that messaging, uh, still provide service while reminding people to wear a mask. Uh, and uh, I think somebody said it before, it's all about how we introduce it. Uh, not so much just a message, but really do it in a way that's hospitable, but still uh, reminds people, this is something that we need to do together. Uh, our tours wanna come to Hawaii. We want them to come to Hawaii. So if we want to make sure that that continues, we got to make sure we do that together and we create that conscious uh, decision making around sticking to these uh, things like hand washing, keeping our distance and uh, wearing our masks. Um, 
when we look at learnings from other openings, we've also learned that uh, in our hotels, when we scale down, we close a lot of our outlets, our restaurants and our services and the experiences off to the customer. But now that they're coming back, uh, they're obviously expecting to come back to a real resort experience. So how do we design those new resort experiences uh, so that uh, while we're distancing and while we're wearing masks and maybe our food and beverage delivery looks different, how can we still make it of quality? So the focus that we're looking at is to not do everything we used to do, but do what we will do, uh, do it well and present it well so that it provides value and it provides a, a quality experience. Another key learning that we've uh, taken from other markets that have opened up is to say, let, uh, look at that feedback from guests, right? We might plan for everything in our own world, uh, but when guests come down, uh, they might have a different opinion, uh, not necessarily in conflict with our safety protocols, but it might be just something that we didn't think of. And maybe we put a priority on one thing and they might have a priority that's completely different. So we have to be ready to adjust. Uh, not only to the feedback from our guests, but also our associates. Uh, our associates are coming back. And while we've had conversations and while we are planning on training, they might have some input that might be some things that we say, hey, didn't think of it that way. So we should be ready to be flexible and to be ready to be adjusting uh, to their needs as well so that we can create this uh, really uh, into a combined effort and keeping each other accountable also, but also making sure that we take care of each other. Um, and the other, I think, on the best practice sharing is getting ahead of our associate and our guest expectations. We know that everybody's nervous. Some associates, some guests much less than others. Some people are completely nervous about travel, but still want to travel. And they come in with a heightened level of sensitivity, as well as our associates. Some people are very uh, relaxed about it, uh, might need to be reminded. Uh, others are going to be at a heightened level of uh, sensitivity and, and might need to get reassurance that we're taking care of them just as we are of others. So when, uh, when we go to the next step, then uh, we have planning. Um, when we look at strategies, uh, I think uh, Kelly uh, mentioned it and some others did as well, is flexibility is going to be critical. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, right? If there's anybody on this call that knows where we're going to be sitting in occupancy at the end of December, uh, I'd be willing to pay some money for that vision. Uh, we don't know. Um, we're missing still big portions of our uh, natural uh, demand flow. Uh, Asia is uncertain at this point in time. Uh, not all markets have access to testing and the pre-testing protocols uh, are still a bit cumbersome and expensive. So this automatically takes out a whole portion of who, who our guests uh, are that are going to come in and, and uh, what is their mindset. So when we look at training for health and safety, it's critical. Uh, so that's our key primary focus, right? Uh, when our associates come back to work, first we have a plan for training. Uh, everybody, regardless, managers, supervisors, uh, our vendors, uh, our contractors, anybody coming to the hotel, is required to go to some level of health and safety training to make sure that the basics like social distancing, hand washing, uh, the mask wearing, uh, and the protocols of cleaning are followed uh, to make sure that we have that basic level of understanding. But besides that, we also need to train them not only on uh, saying, well, now you know what health and safety is about and go about your job, because all the roles and all the jobs are slightly changing, uh, right? The expectations that we have from our associates when it comes to delivering training uh, from behind a mask or a service, I'm, I'm sorry, 
from behind a mask, that, that looks different, no? So uh, whoever thought that we would need to learn to smile from behind a mask? Uh, but those are things we should discuss because we can't assume that people know how to do that. Uh, we have to really work through that with them uh, so that the experience becomes a positive experience and not necessarily a negative. Uh, we also want to make sure that we're on top of changing rules and regulations. Uh, we've seen proclamations uh, from our uh, local as well as our state government, as well as our, uh, our uh, nationwide government change constantly, and that will probably continue to happen. Hopefully we'll have good news on Thursday that we can move to tier two, uh, which will then change again what we can do, hopefully in our food and beverage outlets, uh, as well as our retail situation. Um, so all of those things require that we're constantly watching those changes and making sure that we align around uh, adjusting for those uh, on the positive side or if it becomes more restrictive on the restrictive side. The better we can do that, the more we plan for that, the more chance we have of making sure that we stay open as a state uh, to business and to tourism. Uh, another big training that we probably never thought about as much is uh, the ability to scale up and down as demand fluctuates, right? Uh, so what we've seen on the mainland, there, there is a huge surge in demand on weekends. When I say huge, it goes from 10% to 30%. That's pretty big. Um, not where we want it to be, but it is big. Uh, and it requires you to be able to be flexible, right? Uh, to plan for that uh, scaling uh, up and down. And probably we're gonna have to do that for the foreseeable future. If we're in markets like uh, in the Caribbean where some markets are much more seasonally driven, they're more used to that. Uh, for us in uh, Hawaii, we've been blessed with a steady flow of people. That will be a bigger challenge, I'm sure. Uh, and then lastly, um, uh, aligning across the organization uh, for us as our hotels open up. We want to make sure as we have our brands, but also we have our ownership, uh, in this case with Kioya, uh, five hotels within the state. Um, that we want to make sure that we apply general strategic approaches that are similar in nature across the organization. One is to manage expectations and the other is also to uh, be able to uh, um, uh, provide uh, expectations to our ownership groups as well as our guests as well as our associates. Uh, we want to make sure that we still are able to customize where required. No, we can't just pull a blanket sheet over all of it. Um, we also uh, focus on communication. We want to be effective where possible, but it has been difficult. And I think that's the biggest challenge that's creating unrest at a national level, a state level and a local level, and probably at each of the businesses, uh, because everybody expects somebody with the glass bowl to have the future and be able to say exactly how we're going to do it. Uh, so while we can't communicate everything, we have to try and do it as effectively as possible. And I think I want to close off uh, with the last point, uh, which is uh, kind of referring to earlier points. I think it's up to us all to really think about what is the experience like and how do we actively manage that experience for our associates and for our guests, as well as for all of our stakeholders. Uh, so it's a different level of management. It requires a little bit more uh, 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 looking forward and trying to get ahead of the game instead of reacting to what's going to happen to us. So with that, I know we're up on the hour. Uh, I'll have to jump off, but I'm going to stop there and hand it back to Toby and Sandy. I like your head, Toby. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Tom, for sharing the wonderful insight on your properties. I cannot wait until they reopen. Next, we will start the panel portion of our program. I would like to introduce our fifth speaker of today, Elliot Mills, who is currently the Vice President Hotel Operations for Disneyland Resort and Alani, a Disneyland resort and spa. 
In this role, Elliot oversees all operations for the Disneyland Hotel, Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, and the Disney Grand California Hotel and Spa in Anaheim, California. And of course, as well here, Yaolani, a Disney resort and spa in Colina. Alani Resort has flourished under Elliot's steadfast leadership, receiving several prestigious industry awards and recognition such as Best Family Hotel in the entire United States in 2020, according to the U.S. News and World Report Best Hotels Ranking. Elliot gives back to the community by serving as a board member for Hawaii Pacific Health, HMSA, the Hawaii Visitor Convention Bureau, and the Hawaii Community Foundation, and he's also appointed to the Kamehameha Schools Board of Trustees. Joining Elliot to moderate our panel is Sandy. Sorry, you're not going anywhere. And my rainbows is getting cold. <laughs> Sandy will also be joined by two current students at the University of Hawaii Shiloh College of Business, Alexander, Alexander Tiao and Michelle Olta. The questions in all this panel were developed by current students studying at the university. The panels are yours. Thank you, Toby. Reminder to panelists to keep your answers to just one minute. Uh, we're going to try to get through all, the, all of these questions and then go on to the Q&A. So Elliot, the first two questions are for you, and they are from Ella Ferris, uh, who is majoring in marketing and international business. So are my majors. And will be graduating in the spring of 2022. So the first question, what are your thoughts of reopening, particularly as it pertains to Ko'olina as a, a remote location on Oahu? And will our visitors seek locations that are more secluded? Thanks, Sandy, and aloha to everybody out there. Mahalo, Toby, for the gracious introduction. Um, and aloha to my colleagues. Uh, I think, um, obviously, you know, I think many of us mentioned that the uh, safety and health of our cast members, employees, um, are, are priority number one. And uh, obviously, the safety of our guests. So we put, I think we put that number one out there. But I think as we look at, as we look at, uh, welcoming guests back into state. I know this is a little bit off the question, but I could not help myself, but uh, opine on uh, the responsibility of our guests coming into the state as well. And so we're doing a lot to communicate out to them around what their responsibility is uh, to our community and the importance of their behaviors in our community to maintain the health and welfare of our, of our, of our community, our employees, as well as themselves as they as they uh, come back to the islands and welcome back to the, welcome them back to the islands. And I think it's going to be important for all of us as a, as a broader community to ensure that we continue on that path, as many of my colleagues has, has suggested, to ensure that the industry stays open and we can continue to welcome our guests back to the islands. Um, as for Koalina, you know, Koalina, we look at it more so uh, similar to a neighbor island destination. Um, and so the amount of space that we have, especially given the occupancies that we're going to have in the, you know, the lower percentages as we open up, uh, we have a vast amount of open air spaces uh, for our guests to enjoy, as well as the beautiful bays out of Colina. So it definitely allows for a lot more physical distancing for our guests that are coming, as well as for our cast safety. So we feel it's a great option for many of our guests visiting the islands. Now for your second question. Explain how the phase opening of Aulani will work in regards to your rooms, experiences, and amenities. So we're going to take a really deliberate approach to the opening of the, of the resort. We have obviously a lot to learn from Walt Disney World opened uh, a few months ago. We had the NDA there in the bubble, uh, which is a very successful um, um, situation that we had that we were lucky to have them there. We learned a lot from that. 
We also learned a lot from the other parks around the world opening. So we've taken a lot of those key learnings and applying those protocols to our safety measures here in Hawaii. And as we open up, we'll gradually open up based on the guidelines from the government and health, uh, health authorities. But we want to create an experience that is going to be worth the welcome of worth the time of our guests that we're welcoming back to the islands. So we're definitely going to have our pools open. Um, we'll have all of our different room categories open for our guests to stay in. An entire property and resort will be open, short of a few F&B uh, food and beverage offerings, restaurants, as well as some of the entertainment offerings that we won't be able to accommodate due to the restrictions currently uh, that we're, uh, we're accommodating for the city and county. Thank you for sharing such a thoughtful and considerate process. The next two questions are for Mufi from Chai Bruckelmeyer, Executive MBA graduating spring 2021. How can we include our small businesses in the reopening of tourism? And what are the opportunities for local businesses to partner with our tourism industry? That's a nice question. Uh, we are uh, have a very close working partnership with the Chamber of Commerce of Hawaii because uh, we have both reached the same conclusion with respect to the fact that uh, there are no, or there are very little small business opportunities if in fact tourism remains uh, shut down. So um, through the tourism economy uh, and having travelers come here, it will open up whatever that small business initiative or venture might be uh, because of the fact now they can depend uh, on the dollars coming in from visitors who come to our state. So that's why it's very critical that the relaunch that's occurring now, uh, that we have as much success as possible to build upon that and then open up some of the small business initiatives that the chamber uh, is fostering. Obviously, they're still at the forefront of a lot of economic development initiatives. All of that will be bolstered with a strong tourism economy. So you can expect as we go uh, down this path, especially in 2021 and beyond, there'll be a lot more closer collaboration uh, with tourism uh, and small business, uh, especially via uh, these business organizations like the Chamber. Yeah, I know our small businesses are really happy and eager to hear about more opportunities in the future. Our second question. Now, the diversity of our, our economy is a hot topic, and I know you touched upon that earlier. What are your thoughts on rebuilding tourism while exploring diversification opportunities? I don't think we should stop uh, pursuing diversification opportunities. In fact, this pandemic has uh, opened up some possible other areas, especially with respect uh, to health and safety, technology, cybersecurity, and the like. And I think we should continue down that path. But in my view, to be very realistic about it, we're going to continue to depend on this tourism engine for, for you know, the foreseeable future. Uh, it has been a tried and true industry. It's provided jobs uh, throughout the state. Uh, and uh, that's why I've talked about a synergistic relationship that you diversify from within. Tourism is our core competence. It's what we do very well. But if we build upon that and create reasons for people to come here, vacation, uh, and to do business and to invest, we could have more opportunities in, in sports tourism. You know, when you think that everything has been maxed out with sports tourism, think about the fact that you're supposed to have a new Aloha Stadium. Uh, why not have a World Rugby Cup here in Hawaii. We've never had that. That could open up there. Uh, the film to, to, uh, industry could also see new uh, opportunities. That's one industry that hasn't stopped during this whole pandemic. Um, they visited with uh, 
uh, Kelly Sanders uh, Alohilani Hotel. He's housed some of them here. And on Maui, it was a big uh, tourism bubble there at the Andaz that led to a, a series to, uh, to be uh, filmed here. So there's a lot of opportunities there. Ag tourism is brimming with all kinds of ideas in that area. And I mentioned uh, a program that will allow people to remotely uh, work from here. Uh, edu tourism, for lack of a better word. So I think uh, that's where we should go in the short term uh, because we can continue and build upon that aura of being a great place to vacation, but to do business, but to uh, and also to invest and also to create employment opportunities. If I were coming out of the uh, Scheider School right now, I'd be very excited about the challenge of going into tourism because here's an opportunity to rebrand. Uh, here's an opportunity to uh, do responsible tourism uh, and also create uh, opportunities for a lot of people to bring forward their ideas. We don't want to go back uh, to just quantity of tourists coming here. We want a quality experience, a quality tourist that will come here uh, and uh, respect our culture, our environment, uh, and give back to the community. Feed for your comments on diversification. It's quite a feat, but I'm confident with our group of great minds we can explore these opportunities. Now, the next question is for Kelly, and this is from Ethan Tong, a travel industry management major, graduating, graduating in the fall of 2021. The that pandemic has negatively affected the tourism industry in many ways, but what are some of the opportunities or positive takeaways that the pandemic has provided or made way for companies? You know, I, I would have to say that the leverage of technology um, has been probably the, the biggest and, and most impactful opportunity for us. We, we have uh, always used technology, but now have created, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this interfaced app where we can actually speak to a guest without um, having them uh, actually directly in front of us, whether they want to order room service or reserve a pool chair or they, uh, they want directions. We have uh, uh, texting capability, so we can have an ongoing dialogue with a customer, no matter where they are on the island, if they need directions or want a restaurant rec recommendation. So th this technology, I think, um, just bolstered our ability to really connect with our guests in a different way than we had before, but will continue to drive I, what I think it will be an amazing experience for all those guests that, uh, that do arrive and come to Hawaii. Thank you, Kelly. You're absolutely right. Look around as a Zoom. I know. <laughs> okay, and the next question is for Linda. This is from Michelle Ota, our executive MBA graduating spring 2021. For visitors who may be subject to the 14-day quarantine or even just be risk adverse, have there been any virtual programs or activities developed for them during their stay? If not, are there any specific programs that you think our tour companies can uh, create to acclimate to the requirements of our risk averse guests? Well, um, it would be a shame if we have to um, host any guests that are subject to the 14 day quarantine. Um, we are working with some small local businesses that have provided some really great options for dining in. And as you know, we have very spacious kitchens and living rooms. So um, these boxes are um, uh, allowing us to feed a family of four for um, the entire week. And there's some great uh, fresh produce in there. Um, some celebrity chefs that, uh, that we know that live um, and support the local community 
have created some great recipes and you can, um, um, all you have to do is warm these things up and you're able to um, eat and serve. So um, with respect to just providing them the basic needs, I think we hands down have that done. Um, I would love to talk to any of the local businesses that have ideas on how they can virtually engage with um, these same guests. Uh, and it is a very interesting concept and something that we would definitely want to explore. Thank you, Linda. It's amazing yeah. how creative we can be when presented with new opportunities. That's right, so and the right technology. <laughs> exactly. Thank goodness we have, we're in this day and age. Now I will hand our next round of questions over to Alex, who is a senior at Scheidler, majoring in human resources, finance, and international business. She is originally from Maui, but is looking forward to working on Oahu when she graduates in spring 2021. Alex, the floor is yours. Thank you, Sandy. So our first question is actually going to be for Elliot, and it's from Robert Field, an executive MBA student graduating in spring 2021. So the question is, how do you envision the physical assets of the hotel and timeshare industry changing post-COVID? For example, will combined hotel rooms be available for families traveling together? Sorry, just getting myself off mute there. Thanks for the question, Robert. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think um, Sandy talked to a couple of these um, answers here. I think the biggest cha changes we're, we're seeing in the in the marketplace right now is um, technology uh, around you know the, the leveraging of technology, whether it be direct to room check in, mobile order for food and beverage, accessing information more readily um, and on demand. We see a lot of that technology going into place around our resorts around the world and we're pushing hard to develop that. With regard to room inventory, I think fortunately for us at Alani and many of the other um, timeshare facilities, we have multiple types of accommodations, whether it be hotel rooms, studios, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms even, to accommodate larger families traveling together so they can stay in their cohort and hopefully physically distance a little bit better with those accommodations and keeping them together within those room um, Type. So I do see a lot of technology changing throughout the course of this time to better accommodate our guests uh, through contactless processes. Um, but I also believe that we have those, those accommodations throughout our resorts here in Hawaii that provides for, um, you know, differentiating needs of our guests as we move forward. And I, and I apologize, it was Kelly that was talking about the technology earlier. Thank you. Thank you so much for that insight, Elliot. Our next question is for Mr. Hanneman, and it's by Melody Azeka, a Tim student graduating this fall, 2020. How does the HLTA plan to build a steady drive from our industry's largest international market segment, such as Japan and Korea, to visit the islands again? Well, the good thing is that uh, we have uh, continued uh, to have that open dialogue and communication uh, with these key markets here. Uh, principally through HTA uh, and other private sector groups who are very well versed uh, in uh, Japanese travel and travel from Asia. I think what they've, uh, both countries are looking for, principally Japan, is just exactly what our testing program is going to be like. Uh, you know, Japan has done a great job, and Korea for that matter, also uh, in ensuring that they're able to cope uh, with the virus a lot better than other places. Uh, so it goes with uh, visitors from those areas when they leave, they want to know where they're going to and how can they ensure that their health 
and safety that they uh, insist upon when you visit their countries is going to be maintained here. So to me, it's a good thing that we are open now. We've got a pre-testing program. Uh, they're looking at it very closely. Uh, and I know that um, it's, uh, it's probably right around the corner. The governor is also very interested in seeing that happen. And, uh, you know, we depend a lot on domestic travel, but we need those international travelers to come here. They stay longer, they spend more. Uh, and also because of their interest uh, in giving back to Hawaii and respecting our culture and environment. So it's a market that's very desirable for us. And uh, I expect uh, good things to happen, especially as we successfully launch uh, this uh, pre-testing program with Trans-Pacific Travel. Thank you for those hopeful remarks. Our next question is for Kelly, and it's by Jennifer Kala, an executive MBA student graduating in spring 2021. You have created new visitor experiences during the last few months, such as your nightly, such as your nightly light monument video art. What is Highgate doing to elevate your guest stay? We are super excited. So um, while uh, we have uh, significant plans, uh, we're going to be investing about $350 million in four of our properties, completely renovating and repositioning those assets over the next three, uh, three and a half, four years, um, which will really change the face of Waikiki uh, over for the long term. And this is the right time to, to move forward and do that. But one thing that we've done um, and that we are launching for all of our guests in the first of the year is we've created a new, uh, what we're calling Waikiki Beach Candy. Um, and it's a retail store that will be located at one of our hotels across the street from Waikiki. And it'll have everything a guest would want to use at the beach uh, and, and it will be a, become part of their stay. So surfboards, stand-up paddles, canoes, uh, GoPro, uh, GoPros, um, floaties, uh, you name it, we're going to have it in that store and a guest can just go, um, sign it out, go to the beach and bring it back, all part of uh, choosing one of our uh, amazing Highgate resorts here in Waikiki. Super excited. Thank you for that. That sounds extremely exciting and I wish I could even go to that store. It sounds like it has a one-stop shop for everything. So thank you for that second round of panel questions. Now I would like to introduce Michelle, an executive MBA student who plans to graduate in spring 2021. She's been working in Hawaii's travel industry for four years. Thank you, Alex. So my first question is for Elliot. This is from Christian Naole. He's a quadruple major in human resources, finance, management information systems, and international business. He'll be graduating in spring of 2021. So he wants to know, how will the experience of family travel change? And how is Aulani filling those needs? Thanks, Christian. And I admire your uh, ability to take on three majors at one time. It's fantastic. Um, I think that you know, no matter what, families are always looking for opportunities to create memories when they're coming to Hawaii. Um, and Disney, as you know, we're uh, entertainment centric. We're not going to stop providing those opportunities for families to get together, um, experience for, first and foremost, um, a portal into our Hawaiian culture and the authenticity around our Hawaiian culture, um, but as well uh, share in the engagement of our characters and all the Disney, um, you know, movies and et cetera that we share with our guests while they're with us. So that's going to continue to happen at the resort. And obviously we are under a little bit of a restrictive process right now, but we're as soon as we are able uh, to bring back those um, 
entertainment venues would definitely do that, especially everybody's very anxious to get these beach houses back open once we open, and we'll definitely put that into play as soon as the, the uh, city and county restrictions are uh, relaxed a little bit more. But we definitely will continue to make memories that last a lifetime at all our resorts around the world. Thank you, Elliot. That's great to hear. Uh, our next question is for Mufi, and I know you touched on this earlier. The question is for from Sharon Guo, who's majoring in travel industry management, and she'll be graduating in spring of 2021. She'd like to know, what can we as consumers and future leaders do to help improve Hawaii's tourism industry? I think it's joining with us, those of us who are very vested in the industry, to help us educate the broader community of the importance of this industry. Um, and short term, let me just give you a quick example we all touched upon today. There's a great concern about people not uh, wearing their mask. Uh, and as I delved into it uh, in Waikiki, I take daily walks here. You, uh, it's not just visitors, uh, it's local residents. Um, that's how this whole virus really exploded is people coming back from hotspots. So I think it's a it's not a tourism responsibility, it's a community responsibility. Uh, and I think if we can all buy into that, that whenever there's a challenge out there, uh, an obstacle getting in the way of us coming back successfully, uh, I'd like to see more hands on deck uh, to help us in that regard. Uh, I think a long-term, I think this is the perfect time now to come forward with creative new ideas and how to do things. Uh, in the mid nineties, when I was on the council, uh, I did something back then with the city council that uh, should have been done more of it during the years, and now it's picking up again. And that's this whole concept of impact fees for people who come from out of state and use our attractions, our parks, what have you. Uh, and so when we proposed it back then, it was to care for Hanama Bay uh, and have a special fund that would go back to the preservation, maintenance, and education. Uh, and now the city council has even strengthened that. That's responsible tourism management. So these are the kind of ideas that I would encourage you to come forward because as I said, every crisis presents an opportunity and that's the opportunity right now is how do we make sure that this industry can be meaningful going into the future and create opportunities uh, to keep uh, many of our best and brightest here, especially those of you who wanna pursue a career in our number one industry. Thank you so much. Yes, I do agree. We should set an example for our visitors by wearing our masks and taking care of our islands. And our next question is for Kelly. This is from Joy Ravina, majoring also in travel industry management and graduating very soon in fall of 2020. The question is, many of the hotel workers, such as housekeepers, are kupuna. Given that scheduling employees at work is often based on seniority, how will the hotels balance prioritizing the schedule for employees within the age range that is highest at risk for COVID-19? Thank you. Um, so, so it's been a major focus for us, uh, for, for not just Kapuna, but any employee uh, right now may not feel comfortable coming, coming back to work with uh, the potential of travel and COVID. The training that we've done has been very helpful. Um, giving people confidence in uh, what to do and how to how to keep themselves safe is, I think, the first step. And and education is is always the the best opportunity. But what one of the things that we've also done is allowed 
um, uh, maybe our Kapuna the, are, are people that are maybe a little uh, uh, older, if they don't feel like um, coming back right at this moment, we're allowing them to stay on uh, furlough or, or layoff and we'll go to the next person in line. So really giving our associates the choice uh, where possible uh, to uh, whether to come back or or to uh, continue to wait. Um, but I, I will say that training and education has gone a long way for giving comfort to a lot of our associates. Thank you, Kelly. Yes, it's great to hear from you and everyone on the panel today that you're really looking into your workers' interests and the associates' health as well as the visitors. And now I'll turn it back to Sandy for our final panel question. Okay, so I'm going to modify this just a little bit. So we're going to go into our Q&A and we will ask that final panel question, but it'll be for you, Mufi, and it'll be the last question. So this next question will be for Kelly. And the question is, what do you see are the opportunities for work from home or work from anywhere from your properties? And will this market be potentially important for the next six to 12 months or long-term? Yeah, so it's it's a little different in a hotel that you're interacting with people, but there definitely are functions within our properties that we have allowed uh, a work from home um, opportunity. Those include finance, uh, reservations, uh, so anything that is done uh, with technology that they don't have to connect uh, and interface. And I will say that there there a lot of our associates are much more productive. Um, while they're home, you seem to, to get a lot more accomplished. So we will continue to look for opportunities where people can work from home where, where possible. Um, and uh, right now we, we have asked everyone to come back to work since we're opening all the hotels and we need every hand uh, possible, but um, uh, we are allowing a one day a week work from home opportunity for many roles within our hotels. Thank you, Kelly. The next question is for Elliot. Many in the inter entertainment industry are looking forward to return to work in Waikiki and other hotels. Is there a plan to re-implement entertainment or cultural experiences for hotel guests? Yeah, thanks, Sandy. 100%. I, um, we definitely can't wait for them to come back uh, to the resort. We are opening with some entertainment, uh, Hawaiian entertainment specifically, at the resort currently at Alani for opening on November 1st. But it is a, it is a, uh, imperative part of our experience at Alani and many of the hotels across the state, as you know, uh, to bring back um, all our performers and our entertainment. So, I mean, hopefully everybody is going to be bringing them back uh, in one shape or form as we get through the uh, first uh, stages of this. But I can't personally wait to get them all back uh, because it's, you know, 100% what the guests are looking for is that cultural experience, that integration, understand our our culture a little bit better. Uh, and that's the best way to get is through those entertainers uh, at the resorts and then move on to the rest of the islands as they experience it. So can't wait to get them back and um, hopefully we'll get through the restrictive process and, and move forward so that the uh, guests can enjoy that. Absolutely, it's all about sharing our culture anyways. Yes. And the, the final question is for Mufi. Do you have any words of advice for graduating UH, UH students who are nervous to enter the tourism or hospitality work, workforce during the aftermath of the pandemic? Yeah, I would say as you know, it's been kind of like my theme all along here is that I think this is a wonderful opportunity to be engaged in an industry uh, that's gonna help reshape 
uh, how we've been doing tourism all these years. We've, we've progressed beyond uh, sun, sand, surf, and spirit of aloha. Uh, we now uh, are looking for ideas, for initiatives uh, to make this a place for people to come and respect our culture, environment, and give back. Uh, so it's gonna call for responsible tourism management. So I, I think that uh, there will be opportunities here. We will come back. Uh, and I think you're, you're on the right path. Once again, I don't see another industry out there that will replace tourism in the foreseeable future. It will always be this, uh, this industry. Uh, and I think all my colleagues here today uh, who come with years of experience will tell you um, one of the best things about this industry is that, you know, we engage everyone. We like to listen to ideas. Some of the best ideas come from our frontline employees. Well, it's no different in this case here. Uh, some of the best ideas should come from our future. Those of you that want to help shape and create uh, what we have going forward here. So don't run from this industry, run towards it uh, because uh, we will bounce back and we'll come back stronger, more resilient, more sustainable. And you can help create that because those are the kind of things that you believe in in this present generation. Thank you. What an opportunity to get creative in our contributions to our society. Thank you to our panelists. Um, Toby, Toby, hey, is that a bowl of chicken plate with, with gravy? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Get my slush flow. Hello. <laughs> okay, Toby, I think it's time we put that aside and welcome everybody back. Thank you for your questions. They were on point and exactly what we needed to hear. Uh, yes, they were. And we mentioned earlier, these free webinars are brought to you by the University of Hawaii Shiloh College of Business and Travel Industry Management Alumni Associations. If you have enjoyed these webinars and are able to give, please consider a donation to the college's Shiloh Strong campaign at shiloh.hawaii.edu strong. Now, if you would like to rewatch any part of this webinar, a recording will be, will be posted on the Shiloh College's Vimeo channel. You will also find our previous three webinars there. Please feel free to share our Vimeo page to others who you think will get informa informative value from these webinars. Registration for our next webinar, Restoring Travel to Japan, will begin tomorrow morning. It'll be next week, Tuesday at our normal time, 1130 to 1. This webinar is timed perfectly with the approved launch of pre-testing to hopefully start maybe December. Our speakers are from Hawaii Tourism Japan, JTB Hawaii, Japan Airlines, Waikiki Trolley, and the Japan America side of Hawaii. If anybody knows me, I'm very passionate about the Japanese market, and I promise you, you will find value next week, Tuesday. You'll receive an email with registration information, so please check your inbox for it tomorrow. Once again, the webinar moves back to our normal time, Tuesday at 11.30. Thank you to our panelists for sharing your guidance and providing us with hope as we move forward through this time together. And thank you to all those in attendance. We appreciate your questions and all that you are doing to reopen our economy safely. See you next week.